From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunchabandy and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, did the ACC do the right thing by getting rid of divisions for their conference championship game? Food for thought as Florida State thinks about their resume and a playoff run. Peak efficiency. Is Florida State on the verge of closing out the second half of this season, much like they did last year? And the rest of your questions from the Renegade Express mailbag. Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com. The website, as always, you can always hit that QR code on your screen. Takes you right to the website. You can place your order to go. You can check out the menu, social, and f- culinary. I was going to say food, but culinary sounds so much cooler. Thursday's cheesesteak sandwich is your lunch special from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Chicken or steak comes with a side dish of your choice. Only $8.99. Side dishes, straight fries, curly fries, tater tots, side salad. Um, you can't beat it. It's just it's great. Everything in the corner pocket bar and grill every day. Go check them out. And bingo. Later tonight, 7 o'clock, test your bingo skills to win drinks and prizes in cold, hard cash. Warchant.com, Ultimate Assembly Sports Source. Five-star rating and review, everybody. Uh, by the way, shout-out to all 40,000 of you now that are subscribed to our YouTube channel. That's pretty cool, huh, Corey? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, pretty remarkable. It's uh, 40,000 and growing every day. Growing mm. every day. And the views are outrageous. It's crazy how many views we get on our channel. It's not crazy. We put out good content, mm. and you have a good football team to cheer for and care about. But still, it's awesome that they've uh, they've coalesced like this. Mm. Great content with a very good football team. We've been trying, everybody. We just, they, they had to catch up to us, the mm. product on yep. the field. Yep. Uh, they have. Now we're riding this thing to the moon. Corey, any questions from practice on Thursday? Or rather, practice on Wednesday as we sit here and give the folks what they want on a Thursday that maybe I can answer, maybe can't answer? No, not really. Okay. They looked all right. Um, Defense played better, mostly. Uh, Period three, I think they maybe completed one pass. Um, It ended up shooting for the end zone, and Norvell was really happy with the defense. So it wasn't one of those things where necessarily I think the offense failed. I think it was more so the defense was just that stout. Uh, And throughout the day, plus – Maybe there was some better talent available to the defense than the offense. Can I say that? Can I get away with that, Corey? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, so I have to go back and edit it. But yeah, they're out there. They're practicing. They're grinding. They're doing. They're doing and saying all the right things. So that's cool. Um, let's do our thing. Let's do the Renegade Express mailbag, Corey. Let's begin. Bourbon is your friend. Wow, look at Dave getting in there first. Uh, the news you've all been finally waiting for is here. Dan Squatch is getting married this weekend. Shout out to the biggest and likely largest likely largest FSU fan in Southwest Virginia. Shout out Dan Squatch on the nuptials. Congratulations, buddy. He chose the pit game to get married. Hmm, It feels odd to do it in the middle of a season, but whatever, Dan, do what you got to do. By the way, uh, he went back and found apparently the show where you had your slip of tongue about Josh Kando being a disappointment in the sack. Mm. So we're not going to tell everybody, but if you're a subscriber to warchant.com, you can go find the thread and you can find the timestamp. These are some of the the cool little perks you get as a subscriber to warchant.com. So go check that one out, which, by the way, Corey, I'm going to have to ask you a favor tomorrow on tomorrow's show. So just letting you know, I'm okay. going to need a big, fa- big favor. Big favor. All right. 
All right, Clark won't say he's a, well, I won't belabor the point. Uh, all right, that was him clarifying and, and joking about that. Great joke, strong jokes from Dave and Bartstown. Shout out, everybody. Go like his uh, his post. Pitt is in for a Narduzzi of a Saturday. Lastly, Tyler called. He's wondering if the position of head coach of Clemson football is posted on Monster or Indeed.com because he wants to go ahead and upload his resume. Yeah, yeah. Tyler, uh, Tyler's going to be famous for a long time in the uh, – <laughs> In South Carolina. Uh, was it like when Willie got fired, wasn't his job or I think maybe when 11 retired, his job got one of the head coaching jobs at Florida State was actually posted or maybe it was the coordinator job when they got rid of Walt Bell. Something pretty high, you know, um, you know, not cl- high class, but like highly up on the food chain of college athletics was posted and mm. people found it like on monster.com, which is amazing. But hey, it's, right. it's a state job, so you have to do those kind of things, right? Rhetorical. Bradley Moss, right. let's go. Wake up. Feel like we should have been number three at least. But it's not surprising that we're number four. We just need to control what we can control, take it one game at a time. Mm. If we beat Pitt, we're going to be in the ACC championship game. Speaking of conference championship games, can you guys explain why the ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, scrap divisions – and it's their top two teams that play in the championship game. I know it was to try to have a better marquee matchup in the championship game, but is it fair that the SEC and now mainly the Big Ten still have divisions? Whoever wins the Ohio State-Michigan game is going to have a laugher of an opponent in the Big Ten championship game. So in the end, a team like Michigan essentially plays one hard game a year, and if they win that, they're in the playoff? That doesn't seem right. Uh, anyways, I keep hope we just hope we win. It'll be a shame if a team with this much talent doesn't get a chance to compete in the playoff. Thanks as always. Go Knowles. Yeah, um, it's a good question. It's a fair question. I, you know, I think with ACC, so many times the best team. I mean, look at the last whatever 10, 10 years, eleven years. You've had national championship caliber teams in the Atlantic, in some four and four, um, basically, you know, dump like car crash dummy in the coastal. And it was like, okay, who's Clemson or Florida State? Obviously, the last half decade or more, it's been Clemson. Who are they going to go destroy from the Coastal? Because your two best teams were in one division. Um, and so they thought, the thinking being, okay, let's get a better matchup. And, and they, it's going to work. Like, look, Florida State and Louisville had been in the same division. So they would have played each other already. Like, if, if we had the Coastal again, Aslan, I guess North Carolina is the best team in the Coastal or Duke. But there's a chance you would have a two or th- probably a three-loss team coming from the coastal against uh, Florida State, undefeated Florida State, or a one-loss Louisville. It just—I like the ACC doing it. The SEC has the advantage of having better teams and bigger name teams in each division. So yeah, you're even if Georgia somehow wouldn't win the SEC East, well, it's probably going to be like a Florida or a Tennessee playing in Alabama. That's ratings. Florida State playing. Or let's say Louisville playing Duke is no ratings at all. They they I think they kind of won a Florida State Clemson rematch, and that's still on the table. It also wasn't fair if Florida State and Clemson are on, um, you know, operating at peak capacity or close to it. It's not fair that you lose one game and you might be the set. You're the second best team in the conference. You might be one of the five best teams in the country, and you don't get a chance to play for your conference championship because you lost a game in September to Clemson, so who then essentially has a two game lead on you like Florida State did this year with Clemson. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like if Clemson would have been good this year, their loss in overtime to Florida State didn't wreck their wouldn't have wrecked their chances to win the conference. They would have had another chance in December to beat Florida State again. 
Yeah, but isn't it kind of weird that the ACC is fine with diluting the Clemson-Florida State game or the Florida State-Miami game, but the Big Ten is like, we don't want to do that. Like, we do not want to take away from the game. We want to make the game the game because who wants to see Ohio State and Michigan play each other again the next week? Yeah, right, and that's another thing that they play that they play at the end of the season. Like, if Florida State and Clemson was the last game of the year every year, maybe it's a different conversation. But that does make I, – I agree with what the Big Ten does. Like – the Big Ten Championship game will be played in Ann Arbor the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I know they have a, a game scheduled the next week and wherever that where they play Indianapolis, Fort yep. Field, Detroit. I don't know where they play Indianapolis. That, but Lucas whoever Oil. wins, whoever wins the Ohio State Michigan game is is almost certainly going to win the Big Ten. That's the de facto Big Ten Championship game, um, and they play it at the end of the year. So it would be dumb to play that game and then render it meaningless by having the same two teams play again the next week. And Ohio State and Michigan are going to be the top of that conference forever. You know what I mean? There's no fluctuation there. It's always going to be Ohio State and Michigan. So it makes a little more sense in that in that conference. Unless they add Florida State and Clemson, then maybe they'll uh, rethink things. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's no unified rules. Big 12 has been doing round robin. Like, their championship, their champion has always been like a true champion because you've, you've played every single team in that conference and the top two teams played for the championship. So without any sort of unified rules, I mean, I get it. It doesn't seem fair, but there there aren't any rules to really operate by. So you can pick whatever you want to do. And um, I don't think the, the Big Ten is sandbagging. The ACC, I think the ACC thought they had to do this uh, to help their conference get a shot in the playoff because I think that everyone's reputation has been better uh, the last five years. So yeah. they, I like they it. Need. I like it. Yeah, I, I like this for the ACC. I don't think other conferences have to do it. Clearly, the Big Ten and the SEC don't think they do. Yeah. Um, but I like it for the for the ACC. Are the is the SEC? They're are they going to divisionless? They're not, are they? I am not. When I'll, they add Texas and Oklahoma, they're still going to be divisions, right? How about you look that one up for us? I'll read the next question. Is that cool? Uh, okay. Fast fingers over there, Corey. What you find? They will not have divisions in 2024. Mm. They're going to do what the ACC does. Just the top two teams will play each other. But it really doesn't matter in 2024 because five five of those teams in the SEC are going to be in the playoff. Mm. So it's mm. three teams kind of getting a break, yeah. um, not having to play that week and getting ready for the, the important game the following week. So that's going to be interesting with the SEC. Knowing like the team that – like when Alabama plays Auburn, it's like, yeah, you'd like to win and be the one seed, I guess. But if they're 12-0 and or 11-0 and – do they really – I mean, maybe that's not a great example. Alabama always wants to beat Auburn. But they won't be crestfallen if they lose to Auburn and then miss the SEC championship game, knowing they'll probably be – well, they'll definitely be in the playoff. They might be a top-four seed anyway. Yeah. And I, if they're not, they'll get a home game in the playoff. Like, that's not a that's not a, a really harsh punishment for losing to Auburn is, oh, you get to host a playoff game in two weeks. Yeah. Happened to them in 17. Alabama lost to Auburn. They lost the SEC West. Uh, but Auburn lost to Georgia in the SEC title game, and Alabama still found a way to the playoff, and they won the national championship because that's what Alabama does. Uh, Drill Sergeant Porter, wake up. Just happy to actually wake up and see the first college football playoff ranking to see where we would be. Also, guys, glad you liked my future Sod Cemetery idea from your Q&A last Friday. Go Knowles. Or I think, yeah, it was in the AMA. They asked me anything. So, uh, yeah, shout out, Drill Sergeant Porter. We love you, man. Uh, a man of great ideas. Mm. And a backbone of steel. Drill Sergeant okay. Porter, our guy. Shout out. Uh, and those who miss out on the AMA or the AWA, it says AWA. Oh, ask well, Warchant. Ask yeah. Warchant, yeah. I think. That Tom Lang, man. 
smart dude. Um, do these, uh, hop in them. It's, uh, for subscribers only, but he, he wanted Florida state once they leave the ACC to dig up grass from the ACC headquarters and put in the sod cemetery. So that's, Oh, okay. Yeah. That wouldn't be a, that's a really good idea. When that happens, that's a really good idea. We'll, we'll go, uh, we can go get some grass from there. We should have got should have gotten some from Snuggy uh, last weekend. Well, you did you did rip up a couple blades of I grass. I know, but I, I put it. I didn't. And I want to clarify. I did not rip up the grass. It was already loose grass. Oh, okay. I don't want people to think I'm I'm uh, you know I, I'm causing I'm wreaking havoc on property um, at Winston, in Winston Salem. It was just loose grass that I picked up, and I just threw it back down. I should have kept it though. You're right. All right, we're gonna bundle these next one. They come from Bravo Victor uh, as well. As Raw Dog won, two G's won. Basically, this team peaking, playing their best right now. Bravo, Victor. What's up, guys? Do we think Mike and the staff have intentionally set up this run down the home stretch to start playing our best? Several NFL, MLB teams in the past appear to prime themselves at just the right time to peak late in the season and for the postseason. I'm hoping the rep counts for many of the starters has them playing the best football. Uh, as we get tested later on against our rivals, we know they would love to play nothing more than the spoiler. Raw Dog One saying, "Has anyone noticed that we're hitting our stride at the same exact time uh, this year as we did last year? Differences were undefeated last time. We were five and three. Do you believe we can beat down the rest of our schedule like we did last year?" Um, I mean, I think everybody's trying to peak at this time. I, I don't know if I mean, I think Florida State just constantly playing at a high level. I don't again. What's like the what's the best game Florida State's played this year? The first game of the year, right? Yeah, or or this. I thought the last one, the one they just played, was really was okay. probably well, probably the most dominant. When you outgain a team by three hundred something yards, and yeah. you're up thirty four to seven at half on the road, that that was probably their most complete performance. But even that one had a dud of a third quarter. So, uh, but LSU, yeah, the second half for sure. But there was some there was some things that made you. you, you roll your eyes a little bit in the first half against LSU, but LSU is the best team they played so far. But yeah, I mean, you know, we looked at the Georgia snap counts and it seems like maybe that's kind of what you're trying to do. And Georgia seemingly turns it on around this time of year. They struggled, yeah. I think in, in October against Missouri last year and then turned it on. Looks like maybe they turned a corner against Florida. Maybe Florida state did that by the rep counts and what they did against wake forest. So, uh, but do you think they're capable? I, I don't know, man. I don't want to be like if they don't beat Miami forty-five to ten again, they're not as good as they were last year. I don't think the margins are going to be that big, but I don't think that means they're not as good or better than they were last year. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean that that run they went on last year before the Florida game is a run that you know this program hadn't had since in ten years. I mean that was incredible what they were doing. They were nobody was scoring touchdowns. They were beating everybody forty to three. Um, I don't expect that. I don't expect that this weekend. Um, I just think that's not a realistic thought is they're going to bludgeon teams like they like they did last year. You're not going to beat Miami by 42 points again. I just don't I don't see that happening. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's that's the goal, right? Adam Fuller talked about it on Monday. Like the goal is to get better at be be better by the end of the game and be better by the end of the season. That's why the rotations happen. That's why they play 21 players. But I do think that in tight moments, they will shrink it a little. And I thought you saw that uh, against Wake Forest on the road. I thought Jared Burst played more than he had once he got, you know, came back from the stitches. And they they rotated, uh, they, they were economical with their rotations. Hussey didn't play a ton until the game seemed almost out of reach. 
And I, I just think they they have a plan, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it works. And then on offense, you know, we'll see how healthy the wide receivers are on Saturday and who's going to be playing there. But, yeah, they, they like a lot of their guys that they play. And theoretically, you're supposed to be better at the end of the season. And you're and when you play more people, the, the healthier you can be because they don't have so much wear and tear. Hmm. Bishop 1617, wake up, guys. With the way things are shaking out, looks like Florida State is likely to be facing Louisville in the ACC championship game. Would Louisville be a bigger test than any team we face all year other than LSU? Probably. Well, I don't know. I still think Miami probably has the most talent. Uh, I think they're better on the line of scrimmage, on both lines of scrimmage, than, than Louisville is. But, yeah, man, I mean, just, you know, Louisville beat Notre Dame pretty convincingly. And, uh, you know, they've struggled at times. They obviously lost to this pit team. So they've got some warts, too. Everybody does. It's hard to say. Let's see how they handle how Louisville handles the next month. Right now, it would appear they're on the level of like, uh, well, obviously, of a Miami or a Florida. But let's see how they handle this this last month. And then I think you'd rather play Louisville. We talked about this on headlines on Tuesday. I think you'd rather play Louisville than North Carolina. Why? I just I think North Carolina. When you have a quarterback like that in an offense like that, no, they got a know. shot. Yeah. You never know. It's yeah. like it's like facing a basketball team that has a streaky shooter. And Drake May is not streaky. He's just good. But he's a guy that can take over a game. He can win a game with his right arm because he's just next level. He's that good. He can just get hot. And even if you play pretty good defense, there's nothing you can really do. I, Louisville doesn't have that. So that's why I would I would say uh, you'd rather go with a team that doesn't have a top five NFL quarterback on their team. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder what kind of heart Florida is going to have and their fan base is going to have the Saturday after Thanksgiving if they limp into that game right. four and seven. Or I don't know. They already have how many wins do they have right now. I don't even know what they could possibly be. But um, you know that venue is always tough to play in. But man, if they're not looking all that great, if they're slumping and their fan base doesn't want to see Florida State get coronated. Um, you know, maybe not nearly as intimidating as it was. Uh, I do think, yeah, Miami does have more talent seemingly than everybody else. But I don't know that Jeff Brom, you know, give him just one game to laser focus in on and not have to think about the next week or anything else down the line. That could that could be tricky. Um, uh, yeah, I think they'll be better coach. I, again, I mean, I so I, I don't. Miami's got better talent. They just. Don't know how to yeah. harness it though. They're not. They're not disciplined. They're going to do a bunch of dumb stuff that's going to help benefit Florida State. I don't yeah, think Louisville uh, beat Brom, themselves. Brom, Brom seems like the real deal for sure. Yeah. Uh, Purdue has fallen off the face of the earth since he left. Louisville's now staring dead ahead at a ten or eleven win season. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's real good. Uh, FLS Knoll. Uh, that looks like a first time person. I don't know if it's Florida. Oh, I guess the FL stands for Florida. The S stands for state. Mm. Possibly. And L stands for. Well, lawyer, lawyer like, law, like FL, like FL state. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Okay, gotcha. Understood. Yeah. Um, I know Jordan Travis has had complaints about only throwing to two receivers, but from the view on television, I don't see a lot of other receivers open. This seems odd with the talent in the receiver room. Is Jordan missing the timing on those underneath routes? Question mark. Is he not throwing receivers open? Question mark. Or are the routes or scheme off? Question mark. Any insight is appreciated. I mean, it's hard to say, man. I, I, I hate to uh, cop out on a question like this, but we don't see the all 22s. And we don't know what the first read is. So it's hard to know 
if he's making mistakes and not finding a guy on a cross underneath or if he's, his eyes aren't even supposed to be there because he's got Keon Coleman on one side. And if he's not getting safety help over the top, well, obviously you you kind of hone in on number four if he's getting man-to-man coverage. Um, and also, I thought this last game was his best game. I did think he used more. He, he threw to more guys. Ja'Kai had a big catch down the middle of the field. Portier dropped uh, what, what might have been a touchdown, but at least a 12- or 15-yard gain just standing right there in the middle of the field on that last touchdown drive in the second half. And then obviously Coleman did what he did, Bell and Morlock. Now you say two receivers, we'll throw Bell and Morlock into the mix too now. The tight ends are getting used in a way they haven't done since Norvell got here. Uh, these guys are good. I think they're both NFL players, and they're being used like they should be. Like the tight ends at Florida State in 2023 are a weapon. So if you want to view them as a slot receiver, go ahead. And then you're talking about, I don't know, man, 37 catches from your tight end, 35, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um yeah, but, you know, I, I get it. The, you know, the other guys aren't being, uh, you know, the, the being used a lot, but the passing game is still on point, and your quarterback is still playing really well. VitaminEnergy.com. They'll have you feeling really well. Uh, go to their website. Use the promo code WARCHAMPBOGO. WARCHAMPBOGO. Buy one, get one free when you're a first-time customer over at VitaminEnergy.com. That promo code comes courtesy of our friends over there that are Florida State alums, just like many of you listening to the program. And like all of you, huge Florida State fans and supporters. I'll be taking the Immune Plus as I head north to Pittsburgh, Core, get the immune system ready to go. Fluctuating weather between mm. Tallahassee and Pittsburgh. Being on that uh, big old jet airplane that flies out of Tallahassee, Florida. It's good to know I got the stuff in my back pocket. Probably not going to have a lot of sleep on my side, but I'll have vitamin energy on my side. I'll take a shot of it. I'll get over 100% of my daily allowance of vitamin C and all the energy I need with 260 milligrams of all natural caffeine and no sugar. It's going to energize my day. Let it do the same to yours. Shake it and take it. VitaminEnergy.com, promo code WordChampBogo, WordChamp, B-O-G-O. Scotty FSU. Hold on. I just looked it up real quick. So Jaheim has 26 catches, Morlock has 13, and Marquiston has six. So that's 45 catches from your tight ends for 342, 156. So that's 500 for like 572 yards. So, you know, almost 46 catches from your tight end eight games into the season is pretty remarkable. And even if you don't want to count Douglas because he doesn't play a lot, he doesn't catch a lot when it's the games are close. Morlock and, and Jaheim Bell have caught 39 passes for right at 500 yards. That's That'll play. That's good. Now, again, your slot guys, nothing. Mm. Like, Destin Hill has five for 58. Ja'Kai has two for 36. They both dealt with injuries. But they're using these tight ends as slot guys, and it's that's working out. And also, I would assume Jordan Travis, when he sees one-on-one coverage, do you blame him for taking a shot with Coleman? Now, they're not – like, that's the thing. I, I wonder, Aslan, is it – I don't think Jordan would ever be honest about this, or maybe he would, I don't know. But, like, when it's one-on-one with Coleman, it's almost like you, he, you're he you not going to throw it to him only when he's open because he's always open if it's one-on-one because he can go up and snare it over people. So I wonder if that affects the read at all. Like, mm. if it's one-on-one, I'm going to him 80% of the time just because just cause it's Keon Coleman. I don't care what's happening underneath. But sometimes that play that plan doesn't work and the DB makes a play or it's too high or too far and he can't catch it. But I feel like more often than not, when they go to key on one-on-one downfield, or Johnny, should throw him in there, um, it works out. 
But it does, yes. Maybe at the expense of stuff in the middle of the field that might be more open, but it's not going to be as big a play as if you throw it to your big NFL dudes out wide, even if they don't look like they're wide open, because it, as we've seen for the last eight games, it doesn't matter if they're wide open. They're open. They're going to go make a catch more often than not. Anyway, put, play, put a bow on that. Yeah, playoff problems, top five mm. scoring offense problems, That's right. et cetera. Scotty FSU, gentlemen, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a home game, or rather had a home game this past Sunday. They host the Titans on Thursday night. And then the same stadium plays host to Pitt and Florida State on Saturday. Should we be concerned about turf issues? I mean, I don't think that's a uh, – yeah, I, I don't think that's a crazy I, a thought. Um, and also, during Narduzzi's press conference, he's like, we're not cutting the grass out there. We're going to have it this high because Florida State's so fast. Now, I don't think he – Did he actually think, say that? Yeah, he did. Nice. But I, I don't think – this isn't Notre Dame. I don't think yeah. the, they do – the Pittsburgh Steelers – own that place. Pittsburgh Panthers just rent it. So they'll be ready to play like an NFL type grass. So he was just joking. Like the Pitt Panthers don't dictate when, when something gets mowed, but you might worry about, uh, you know, footing, especially in November, probably a little moisture in the air, a little colder. Um, I hope they have better cleats than they did at wake. Cause I'm telling you, Keon Coleman didn't just slip a couple times in the game and poor tier two, they slipped in warmups. So they do need to get their footing figured out on the on the in cuts, well, on all the cuts, to make sure they're not slipping. Because, yeah, it, it could be an issue, sure. I'm only – it would only be an issue if this was a close game, which I don't think it's going to be. I'd, I'd worried about, like, Fitzgerald kicking a field goal because no one has any luck kicking in that stadium. And I think a lot of it is because of that grass. But I don't foresee this being a game that comes down to a field goal. So – not as concerned, but a fair thing to talk about on a show that takes questions from all of our value subscribers. So thanks, Scotty, but not name Scotty. Adam PCB90, wake up, fix my name so I don't look like a bot anymore. PCB nice. represent. Nice. What are your thoughts on the improvements? He puts in quotation marks. Improvements and the updates at Dope Campbell Stadium with conference realignment, recruiting, game day experiences. Thanks, by the way, Corey. Mm-hmm. All of these things on the rise, it seems that reducing capacity isn't going to help our cause. Do you think these changes will really make the everyday fan experience better, or is it just about the money? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a better stadium. It'll be a more enjoyable viewing experience. But For who? But not the if, everyday guy, man. If you don't have a good football team, yeah. people aren't going to come as much. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation, I think. Uh, and this goes back to something that I guess Florida State can't control, but you can have the the most beautiful stadium in the world, but if you have a seven and five, six and six, four and eight football team, and you have hotels, basically, in my opinion, doing a but you do want the stadium to be nicer, I guess, and and I do think they're making uh, improvements. Is it worth the money? We'll see. Are they, are they going to be improvements in the actual game-watching experience? Or are they going to be improvements in looking more like an NFL stadium? We'll see. Because I, 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 I hesitate. I do not want them to try to be an NFL stadium because this is not the NFL. This is not an NFL fan base. So hopefully they'll keep the, col the beauty of college football in mind when they're creating whatever they're going to create uh, for Doak Campbell Stadium. But you're welcome for the stats package. Mm -hmm. I take full credit for that. Yeah. And I don't care who cares. I don't care. Who says I'm wrong? Who says that uh, I was out of line? I don't care. I got stats on the video board. 
and we 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 bolted into 2023 on the a Doke Campbell with the stats package. Yeah, you know, it's a capitalistic society we live in, for better or worse. Mainly the better. It seems to be the best system out there. Other mm-hmm. things have been challenged and tried, maybe not as effectively and as efficiently. Um, I mean, I am not the paying customer. But the people that have the money that are going to pay for these suites, uh, that money is needed to infuse this program with cash. I just, nobody back home, none of my friends are going to start coming to Dote Campbell Stadium now because there's a loge box. They're not. And listen, my fa- right. my, my friends make six figures. Uh, they're not boosters, though. So again, and this is about the people that do pay and do support this program with more than just their mouth, with their wallets. They seemingly are going to buy into this stuff. They're excited for it. They don't want to travel six, seven hours away from their house in Fort Lauderdale or northern Georgia to sit into aluminum bleachers. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's never been my thing. I, I think I'd be, I could be 68, and I would still come to Dope Campbell Stadium to watch Florida State play because I love the team and I want to watch them. I want to watch a good Florida State team play a good opponent. It doesn't matter to me all these amenities, but again, I, I am not the, the core audience they're going to. Uh, they've they have figured out their their recipe. It sounds like here, Corey, in terms of the the donors, they know they can count on what they want and what's sustainable for everybody involved in that. That yeah, there's going to be collateral damage, and it's going to be people that you know you have the ability to keep your seat is what I'm told, Corey. But it's going to cost is cost cost significantly more. So it is one of those weird things where you feel when bad when people complain about their plight, but there is the option to keep what you have. But at the same time, it's like well, you know. I, I can't afford it. And it's like that, that's a tough place to be in uh, for a guy who doesn't have to pay to go to games. So yeah, and I and again, I, I as a as a son of somebody that was a booster for forty years, like for my whole life, I definitely feel the anguish that boosters can feel because it's like okay, I've given you money for thirty years, thirty years, and now you're telling me to keep the seats I've had for thirty years. I've got to give you even more money just to have the opportunity to buy them, uh, something similar. That would suck. That would suck. It makes you feel like the last 30 years didn't matter. And this is a problem that the NFL doesn't have because the NFL gets these stupid cities to fund these stadiums. They don't get any of the profit, but they build the stadiums for these billionaire owners. Well, that can't happen in Dope Campbell Stadium. They, there's no the, the city isn't funding this. This is a, a private – this is just private money that's coming in. It's not public money. So I don't think, at least it, if it is, it ain't much. It's not a huge percentage of it. So yeah, man, it's it's it sucks. But I, as Aslan said, I don't know they're they're gonna do it, um, and they're trying to make it more modern. They're trying to make it a better stadium. But you know, I, I get I don't again as Aslan said, we get paid to go to these games, and we don't sit in these seats. So who I, I would never dismiss or be dismissive of people having to pay more money because it's hard earned money. Yes, you you've been great for this program for decades and decades. And you've given a lot of money, and then you're told, "Oh, wait, you don't get those seats anymore. You have the opportunity to keep them, but you have to go through this." And and you know, I, I, that happens when NFL teams build new stadiums too. Mm. So, hey, let's enter the Michigan portion of the show. Uh, let's our, do it. Our guy C six nine one zero two seven, real human being, not a bot. Um, what is the what in the world could the six nine one zero two seven be, Corey? Uh, like maybe the passcode on his phone. That's six. Di- I think mine's like a four mine's digit. Six digits. Is it? Oh, ooh, yeah. you got that. You got like the double. Oh yeah, double oh, yeah, layers. Time. And Go it's wait. a crazy code. You could not crack even if you tried. Ninety three, ninety nine, thirteen, and then Brady's birth year. 
Well, that was uh, six no. right there. That was six right yeah, there. It's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. My man. My man. Can't forget that one. I'll be honest, everybody. I'm, I've, I am not neck deep. I'm not even ankle deep in the Michigan stuff, but apparently Central Michigan and our guy Jim McElwain might be tangentially involved in this. So he was asking, had to know Shark Humper was in the middle of sign stealer guy fiasco. I watched Central Michigan defeat, uh, defeat NIU last night. On three separate occasions, they panned to a staffer looking at a play sheet and speaking to his microphone. Then the quarterback breaks the huddle, and twice they panned to him seemingly making adjustments to blitzes and quarterback changing the play. No signs given. Do we know? Do we know there are no signs given? Not calling? Don't, no. Okay. Are RF helmets allowed, like radio frequency helmets allowed in college football yet? I don't think so. Seems like the state of Michigan are on the cutting edge of sign-stealing science and using radios in their helmets. Any observations? Go Knowles. Hold that thought real quickly. Uh, that goes with our guy Hate Canes, H8 Canes. Mm-hmm. I think the fried chicken place, maybe the Miami, Miami program. Not sure which Canes. I think the chicken finger place. Oh, okay. All right. I'm kidding. Sure. I'm, I'm sure uh, they're yeah. great. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, he, he might be a big Zaxby's guy. Yeah, you never know. Should the coaching staff switch signals if we end up playing Michigan? Seems like Michigan scouted most possible opponents in advance and have collected data for years. Well, look, um, the crazy thing with the Central Michigan is, if you've been on Twitter at all this week, uh, and McElwain could not deny it after the game, is that, what's my man's name, Connor Stallions? Yeah, like you don't know. So I, Well, I forgot it for a second, then yeah. I remembered. Oh, yeah, it's the crazy, ridiculous name. Yeah. Um, like a weatherman or a porn star. Like, it's it's a crazy name. Um, so, wait, Central Michigan might have their own guy? I, I thought this was no, like... No, 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 it's okay, not. Yeah. It's him. It's a pick. Connor Stallions, apparently, that's what? what everybody says, was on the Central Michigan sideline. On Tuesday nights? No. For the Michigan State game when they played Michigan State this year. Okay. And he's wearing sunglasses at night. And he's got So a does big, Deion Sanders, just saying. Big book. Deion's the head coach and Deion's Deion. This is a guy that it looks like Connor Stallions. He's a 28 year old dude in shape with a goatee. So maybe it's not. But when McElwain was asked about it after the game, he could not say for sure it wasn't him. And they've obviously already done some investigations. And for him not to come out and vehemently deny it and say, no, that's not Connor Stallions. It's actually this GA, John Smith, who's been here for a year. He could not say for sure that it wasn't him. Makes me think it's him. And he was on Central Michigan's sideline watching the Michigan State signs. It's insane. And so how deep does this thing go? Like McElwain let him onto his field to spy on Michigan State? And obviously, uh, as I as I talked about last week, um, you know, I don't think I don't think speakers in the helmet are and I don't even know if that's what this question was. In fact it wasn't. You're not supposed to have speakers in your helmet. No, he was asking um, if it's allowed. I don't think it's allowed no, in the college. No, it's, of course it's no, it's not. Um, but that's that's what people's uh, solution is to sign stealing is to put speakers in the helmet. Well, are you going to put speakers in all their helmets? Because every team goes no huddle. So it's we keep picturing like a quarterback in the middle of a ten other dudes telling them the play. That doesn't happen in college. So what's the point of just telling him the play? Then he has to signal it to everybody, and you can steal his signs. So I don't think that's a solution. I think it's just to get signs that can't be stolen, 
And as I, as I talked about when I talked about a Florida I talked to a Florida State staffer last week about it. And what they can do is again chart chart what the signs are. If you're if you're picturing like the four big blocks that they have that they'll show sometimes a picture of Bob Barker, a picture of, you know, underdog, whatever you write down the, what's in the block, you, you chart the play and then you, you just do that for every play. And then when they run a toss, you go back to those signs and see what, what's the common denominator. And each time they ran a toss, each time they ran a toss sweep to the left. And then, you know, their plays. And you do that with every play they call because you'll call the same play more than once in a game. So you go back and figure out the common denominator and the signs they have and use it from there. Maybe it's like something explosive means a uh, you, this play, uh, you know, a picture of a comedian means a toss sweep, whatever it is. That's what that's what will end up. Uh, that's how you decipher the signs. And I have no idea how this is going to end for Michigan, but it's not good. And if that's really him on the sidelines in central Michigan, Everybody has things to answer for because this makes it this makes it even crazier. Like, how did he get a pass? Who told him to be on the sideline? Why is he wearing Central Michigan gear? It's nuts, Aslan. This is like the JFK conspiracy of college football. Yeah, it's a big community, the coaching community. And maybe somebody got him a pass and maybe McElwain's not nearly as prudent on who's on a sideline he just you know whomever like I, I mean I, I don't notice you but maybe you're you know some other analyst guys analyst um, but yeah it does seem very dubious this coaching staff I don't think they need to worry about switching their signals um, at this point but I don't think it would be that big of an undertaking to have to do it at least maybe no. before you go into the playoff you have three weeks maybe at that point you can go ahead and do it um and on the radio frequency helmets, the microphones in there. I mean, you could just have everybody, you know, wristband. You know, you're just like, all right, yeah. play number four. Like, and the and Jordan just yelling four, 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 and everybody looks at their wristband and sees that four is spider wide two banana or whatever, and then that's what right. they run. So, I mean, that's you can keep your integrity of going no huddle and having the you know microphone headphone communication. Norvell talked about it too. Is that he he doesn't he's not in favor of the of the helmet communication, right, um, right? Because he thinks like teaching and coaching matter, and he also wants to know what's the time limit. Like when does it cut off? Because are you allowed to talk to your quarterback right up until the snap? And because it's you know in, well the, in NFL the NFL does this. We could just adapt the NFL's rules, I would think. But go ahead. Sorry. Which is what? What is the NFL's? I rules? don't know. I think maybe under like under five seconds, ten seconds. But see, that's what's crazy is these college teams snap it in twelve and fifteen seconds. So do you make it under thirty? Do you make it under twenty? Like because some teams snap at with with thirty one on the play clock. And so do does the coach get to look at the defense and then tell Jordan in the in the helmet, hey man, that safety's blitzing. That safety's blitzing. Change the play. Because that's not coaching. That's holding a hand and telling somebody. And now I know you can say, well, he looks to the side. All these quarterbacks look to the sideline and they'll make adjustments with their coach. Yeah. But at least they're doing it with signs. You have to decipher something. Oh, it's, I mean. it's, it's not straight up, hey, Jordan, this is blitzing. Because, you know, or hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You got to snap this with you got to snap this with 11 seconds left. That ball might not have been caught. Hurry up, get there. I just don't I don't think you need a coach in your ear, man. I, I I don't I don't think that I think that can uh, it can hurt the uh, sanctity of the game, Aslan. Mm. Yeah, no, we've we've been doing this a long time and it's been working out all right. And then Jim had to screw everything up, so 
I, I don't want to be too reactionary and try to change right. everything. But. Yeah, it's one guy that went above and beyond, or one program, I should say, yeah. that went above and beyond and was, and was actually videotaping signals from other schools. All right. Sam E. Knoll, fun with numbers, everybody. Buckle up. Maybe have a notepad out. Wake up. Since 1993, Florida State has a combined 44-4 and four in years that end in the numeral three. Mm-hmm. Two of those three previous seasons resulted in national championships, and the other was by far the best season of the, quote, lost decade with Jeff Bowden's jump ball offense. Not only that, but Jameis Winston was born just five days after we won our first national championship in 1993. Jordan Travis was born just five months after our second national championship in 1999. Do you think this is all coincidence, no, or are no, we no a chance. near lock to win it this year? There's no chance that's a coincidence. Those numbers are too spooky. Of course, it's destiny. It's destined to happen. I all, mean, Aslan, you you see those numbers. How how could they not win? Well, also, uh, if the Texas Rangers can hold off every single year, Florida State's won the national championship. The American League has won the World Series. Oh yeah. Also, we're not getting political here, but. Every time Florida State's won the national championship, the blue team has been in the white office or the yeah, White House, rather. Yep, that's true. So that's true. I don't know. I mean, you put that together with Sammy's. Again, I think it's plus nine hundred right now over at my bookie to get on the Knolls and win the national championship. I don't know what you're waiting for. Use the promo I mean, it's code. Simple math, right? It is. It yeah. is. Um, use the promo code WordChant. You'll get an instant cash deposit bonus that you can use to get your bets maximized over. At mybookie.ag, you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Corey, do you uh, do you have your picks for uh, this week? Yeah, so I'm going to stick with the ACC, man. Stick with you know, with what you know. And I'm just, I think I'm going to bet strictly ACC from here now. May slip in an SEC game here and there, but that's what I'm doing. Um, and I got like four games I want to bet, but I'll just stick with two. Um, I think Boston College getting two and a half at Syracuse. That's free money, baby. <laughs> That's free money. There's going to be 11 people there. It's a Friday night. You got better things to do in Syracuse. Basketball season has started. There, that's not going to be a, a raucous crowd. And my man Castellanos on turf. Come on, man. Indoors. That's free money. He's going to feel so relieved to not have to play in the cold. He's going to be indoors, 72 degrees. He's going to run rough shot over that team. So Boston College plus two and a half. And then I think the money lock of the week is Virginia minus one and a half against Georgia Tech at home. Georgia Tech, they beat a horrible defense. Haynes King is going to start feeling himself, which is not good for Georgia Tech. He's going to start throwing it into triple coverage. I think Virginia has looked like one of the, quite frankly, one of the best teams in the ACC the last two weeks. They found it. They got their starting quarterback back. They're not giving the ball away to everyone. I think Virginia is going to win at home and win comfortably against Georgia Tech. All right. Those are great ones. I don't feel good about any of mine, um, but let's get to it. Uh, I think 15 and a half right now is what I see with Rutgers uh, taking on Ohio State. Uh, actually, 18 and a half. I feel even a little bit better. Piscataway, Nooner, Greg Schiano, number one Ohio State coming in. I, I think they'll keep it close-ish. Uh, I'll take Rutgers plus 18 and a half at home. That's a lot of points to get at home. I'll take that. And then uh, I'll go with my guy Matt Rule in East Lansing at Michigan State. They're giving out three. Um, feel good about, I don't okay. feel good about that, but hopefully that wins. 
I, I didn't want to go with Bedlam. I wanted to go with uh, Alabama or LSU, but I did not go with those two. So we're going Rutgers plus 18 and a half, and we're going Nebraska minus three. Corey said what? Was it plus minus two and a half Boston College at Syracuse? Plus two and a half. Plus two and a half. They're Good getting grief. Points, yeah. Amazing. And then what was the Virginia-Georgia Tech one? Uh, minus one and a half for Virginia. So essentially a pick them. There you go. You pick your games over at mybucky.ag. Use that promo code WARCHANT. FSU uncensored. It's like FS uns- FS uncensored, but it's FSU uncensored. It's clever. It's great. I Got love it. it. Wake up, fellas. Panama City, Florida here. Officiating question, Seems that, since it seems to be all the buzz. These referees work as part-timers, to my understanding. Why is it that we never hear a push to make them full-time employees? With all the money the sport brings in, doesn't it make sense that such an integral part of the game would be a full-time position backed and paid for by the NCAA? Best show on the beat. Well, you're right about that. Uh, and yes, you're, I, I don't even think the NFL guys are full-time employees. No, they are now. I think it happened a few years ago. They finally fought for it. But it forever, I, it, w- it wasn't yeah. the case, right? And right. I just think the answer to that is, number one, they'd have to pay them more. But also, it's twelve ga- It's twelve Saturdays a year, so and it's like, not just thirty-two teams. It's one hundred thirty-two teams. It's sixty games throughout the course of a weekend. And the you know NFL just needs to get twelve good crews. No, not right, twelve. But, Sixteen but, good yes, crews. Correct. Not you know not thirty or yeah. whatever it would be. No, one hundred sixty crews. One hundred thirty crews just for Division One. No, that's not right either. Sixty-five crews. That, that that I covered my basis. You need 65 competent crews for Division One football. But the reality is, what would they do for the other? Uh, so each week you're training them for eight hours a day. Like how how does it how is it a full time job? Um, and who's paying them? Because the you you don't want the ACC to take more of your money to then double or triple these referees' salaries. Does that make sense? Like the NFL's got more money that it will ever know what. To uh, Roger Goodell gets paid, I think, fifty million dollars a year. So yeah, they they can make they have all the money to make an NFL uh, a referee a full time employee. I, I don't know that um, NCAA or these separate conferences, because they're conferencely they're conference affiliated, would have the money to make these guys give up whatever their day job is to be a full time referee. And I don't even know what that would entail. I, I can't even picture it. What would it entail, Aslan? I don't know. My mind is blown. I'm trying to find out what's going on with the NFL because to my understanding, they are full-time. ESPN had a story up in 2017 why the NFL is finally hiring full-time officials, but there are stories from 2022 and 2023 on various websites that say that the NFL still are not full-time jobs, NFL refs. But And I would say the difference, obviously, is in basketball and baseball, especially Major League Baseball, those are obviously full-time jobs. It's six months out of the year, and it's every day. In the NBA, same thing. And even in college basketball, those referees, man, you'll see Teddy Valentine in Tallahassee on a Tuesday night, and he'll be in Syracuse on a Wednesday night. They go all over the country for four months. These referee crews, it's literally one game a week. And so I would like them to be better trained, clearly, and I think that could help. But I don't know if making them full-time uh, – that make, making them it's making it their full-time job is the answer because I think you'd lose some of them. Because Johnny, that's a lawyer uh, or a high school football coach, doesn't want to necessarily give that up to just be a ref, a beck and call of the ACC uh, 12 months a year. Mm. Well said. 
We'll see uh, how it works maybe. out. I don't know. It's a it's a fair question because they yeah, make so much money. You would think they'd put uh, more money into the actual officiating of their games. I get the sentiment of the question for sure. Northwest Georgia 06504. Wake up. Long-time listener, first-time commenter, Chattanooga, Tennessee area of Northwest Georgia. I like that descriptor. Okay. How good did it feel, guys, to see us back in the bracket for the first time since 2014? Been a long nine years. With this first playoff ranking, it seems the committee is undervaluing Florida State's victories against Duke and Clemson in Death Valley. And with the way the schedule currently sits, seems Florida State will have very limited opportunities to gain late-season eye candy victories. And given the fact that the current ACC race to Charlotte includes eight teams behind Florida State with two losses or better, making a really interesting last four. Really, there are eight? there's eight teams with just two? That's crazy. Question, how important will it be down the stretch to win significantly against Miami and the other school and have a top 15 game in Charlotte? Or do you think that as long as we win out, we are in a good spot? Thanks for making my morning and afternoon 30-minute commute to work always entertaining. Go Knowles. Well, thank you, North Georgia Knoll 6504. Welcome. Real quick, Corey, our, our guy Sammy Knoll also posted this. I wasn't able to fact-check it, but he's he's a pretty solid guy, Phil. Mm-hmm. Apparently, in the, in the short history of this college football playoff, there has never been a one-loss Power 5 conference champion that has been left out of the four-team playoff. And I know what we're saying is right. Win out, you're in. But maybe, maybe Florida State could still find a way to get in there. But that wasn't his question. How how important will it be to have style points down the stretch, Corey? It won't be unless you lose a game. Like if you lose, uh, if you lose to Miami like thirty-one to thirty, in uh, and then you win out and beat Florida by thirty points in the swamp. You beat Louisville or somebody by thirty points in the championship game. That would matter, I guess. But if you win, it doesn't matter how you how you do it. It just doesn't uh, because there's only going to be at most four undefeated teams. Um, and I would say I think this year might be a year where there, there will be multiple one-loss champions from a conference, and one of them will get left out. Maybe it's the Pac-12 if, if Washington loses, which I think they would to Oregon. But then does Oregon get in? Um, Oklahoma or Texas, maybe one of them. Does, you know what I mean? Like there's, mm. there, we'll see. I, you know, it's a small sample size, really, with just nine years. This this year seems more conducive to kind of that chaotic fourth or fifth spot, uh, depending on how it shakes out with one loss teams. But if you win them all, you're in. Style points uh, do not matter. But I, you know, going back to the the part of the one of the parts of the question, not valuing what Florida State has done. You know, the, the Boo Corrigan, who's the selection committee chairman, and he's an impossible situation, folks. I forgot about this because I haven't watched this show in nine years. He's trying to answer questions. He has to talk out of both sides of his mouth because none of what they do really makes sense. He'll say one thing, and then you point out, well, what about this? He'll be like, well, it just there's no way to do it. But he said that, you know, part of the reason that Florida State was fourth is because their marquee win was earlier in the year. Mm. And it's like, well, then why schedule them? If you're going to hold it against, and they're not holding it against them, they're in the top four, but if it's not going to matter to you because it happened in the first weekend in September, as much as it ma- it would matter to you if it happened in the first week of November, well, that's dumb. Then don't schedule them. Like, Florida State, is are they getting a real j- a bump out of beating LSU, or is it like, well, that happened two months ago, who cares? That's a dumb way to run your sport. 
And so I do think he's just feeling out a reason, throwing out a reason as to why Florida State is behind teams that don't have good wins. Um, and he, that's the best he could come up with. For the longest time, and listen, I love the imperfection of this sport. I think the imperfections and some of the silliness gives it its charm. Um, and it's why I like it. Like I, I used to like in the early 90s, late 80s, where you could go into New Year's Day and be like number three in the country, but still have a shot at winning the national title because number one team was playing somebody else, number two team was playing somebody else, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm in the minority. I get it. Um, but it was always kind of about like when you would lose, not necessarily yeah. who you lost to. So if Florida State were to lose to Pitt, but Georgia were to lose to Georgia Tech. Those are both equally gross games. Mm-hmm. But like Florida State in years past would have been fine because like they lost first. But I feel like that would not hold up because let's say Georgia were to lose this weekend to Missouri, but then lose, you know, like in the, in the SEC championship game. It would be so recent. But I think, like, well, you know, their body of work over the course of the year, we're going to give it to them even though, you know, they lost later on in the season than, than the most recent team that's, you know, getting left out of this. It's like a weird sort of alternate universe that we're in now with this playoff. And maybe it's just because it's the first poll, right, Corey? And there's so much variables out there to play yeah. with, but it, it kind of makes – it doesn't make you dizzy. It makes you a little bit anxious, I feel like. Well, and it just – none of it really makes sense how they come up with this. You know, Florida State's strength of schedule uh, is 49th in the country, which isn't great, but it's 49th. Michigan's 112th. Georgia's a hundredth. So who have they beaten? What's their resume? Now I know Michigan's looked great doing it, but their strength of schedule is 112th out of 130 teams in the country. It's absurd, and it's going to get worse because they're about they're about to beat uh, the brakes off of Purdue. Hmm. Um, so yeah, man, it's it, look you're in the top four. Uh, you'd like it to make more sense, but it doesn't. It it go it never has. We're nine years of this. It never has. It's it, you know it just so just. Live with it, and if you win, you're in. Last question. Quinn 67 wake up. I really appreciate all the content Warchan has put together for us this season. You both are doing a tremendous job. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. It's Esquin. our pleasure. It's yeah. our pleasure. You realize you know, Quinn's wish is that we either interview the ice bucket dumper at Doak or one of the groundskeeper guys that seems to be milling about <laughs> while you and – so I love you, Quinn. I don't know how it's going to work out, but maybe, just maybe. Um. All I know is, hey, man, we're, we're four dubs away from Corey singing Seminole Wind on Steve Spurrier Field. And if that doesn't get you excited. Um, is that true? Did I say I would do that? Yes. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. All right. The chickens are coming home to roost. <laughs> I made a lot of promises back in August, apparently. Uh, order restored last week. Let's go kick some butt in Pittsburgh. Weather looks cold, cool, and dry. Question. At this point in the season, who do you think the most valuable defensive player has been for Florida State? Go Knowles, Esquin 67, class of 93, is also a uh, battles end member. Maybe I should start mentioning that. There's a lot of people. FSU Uncensored's got the banner under his name, so uh, shout out to you folks doing uh, yeoman's work out there. Who's the defensive MVP? I'm going to say Renardo Green, Corey. What do you think? That's a really good question. I'll say verse, and we should. there was some news that came down on Wednesday. Renardo, or maybe Tuesday night with Renardo, he's one of the 12 finalists for the uh, Thorpe Award. 
Let's which, go! Which I think is awesome, man. I'm glad he's been yeah. recognized like that. He's had a very good year. He's very good. He probably won't win it. He probably won't be a finalist because he's not one of those big names. He wasn't a big name coming into the year. But, man, he's been really good. And it's awesome that he's a semifinalist for that. And Jared Burse is a semifinalist for the Benaric Award. So, uh, he's and he deserves that, too. And, I and would, Lombardi, I think, too. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, that might be right. Maybe I meant Lombardi and not Benaric. One yeah. of those guys, you know. It's the one, one of the, the granite. That yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say Burse, um, because of what he does in the run game and how his presence helps the other defensive ends out, or the defensive linemen as a whole, because he does get so much attention. They always have to know where five is, which means Patrick Payton can get one-on-one -on -one most of the time. Your defensive tackles aren't both having to fight through double teams in your defensive tackle. I, I just think he makes the whole line better. Um, Renardo has been very good. I just think versus impact is, is more than just numbers or PBUs or anything. It's how he affects the whole defense. Do you think Mike will give all of his coordinators out during media day at the playoff? Okay. I'd uh, love, I'd love to ask. I mean, yeah. I know, I know Pat Sertan hasn't coached college football before, but man, I'd really like to get like a nice five minute, you know, Q not a Q and a, but just like a, a question and maybe a follow-up or two on just, how important Renardo is and just how yeah. much they value what he does because, you know, listen, he, he's changed positions. He started as a cornerback safety. Now he's back at cornerback. He's dealt with injuries and like apparently like a pretty significant injury to his foot that put him through excruciating pain for a long time. And you sometimes forget about guys like that. And then, you know, knock on wood here, man, he's, he's been durable. He's been reliable. He's been out there for you every week and he's been so productive and so solid. Um, you know, and again, like to your point, Carl, he is not a flashy name. He's not, you know, a Derek Stingley Jr. guy, or I don't even know who the, you know, Kyle Hamilton, I don't even know who the in, in vogue defensive back this season is, but uh, he's not that name, but man, he just, he's rock solid and steady. So mm. love you, Renardo. Love you. And man. also uh, real quick, I, I've, I've been keeping an eye on the temperature for you and Ira. It looks like it's holding steady that the high on Saturday, there's not supposed to be any weather yeah. um, like rain or sleet or anything. The high is supposed to be 57. Yeah. Which... November in Pittsburgh, if you watch that Central Michigan craziness Oy. on Tuesday night, uh, getting no, getting 57, a high of 57 in Pittsburgh in November, you can't ask for much more than that. It's it's going to be almost colder in Tallahassee when we leave than it's yeah. going to be in Pittsburgh. It's been crazy this weather. So, yeah, thanks for looking out for that, Corey. Appreciate yeah, it. Buddy. All right, that's a wrap for us. We'll be back with the show tomorrow for you folks. 1 to 3 o'clock, Jeff Cameron Show. He and Tom Lane keeping you posted on all things Florida State and all things Florida State over at Warchant.com, the ultimate symbol sports source. Won't you hit the thumbs up, leave a five-star rating and review. For Corey, I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up War Champ presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.